You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Hey everybody, this is Deontay and you are here with The Day with Trey. I'm Deontay Damper, stepping in with Trey for Trey all this week. We have a great show for y'all. We have LC from Critland. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the amazing events that they have coming up and how we community can support. But first, I have to talk to my brother. We got to step into the news just a tad bit, okay? But hold on, before we step into the news, remember to like, share, and subscribe to Converge Media. We have amazing shows here on this platform. And one of those people here is Brian Callahan, right? How you doing, brother? Can you give us some of the news today? Yep, sure can. Deontay, great to be with you. We're talking about Seattle News, Views, and Brews, which is on Converge tonight at 7 o'clock. We got a lot of stuff together to cover, I should say. I'm breaking down what's going on with the mayor's budget proposal with my co-host, David Croman. And specifically, we looked at a couple of things here. One of them was what the mayor is talking about when it comes to uh, human service providers, right, and the pay that they get. And this one was really interesting because back when Bruce Harrell was uh, the president of the Seattle City Council back in 2019, he was actually the sponsor of an amendment to an ordinance that said, okay, we are going to tie this rate that human service uh, providers get paid to inflation and we need to pay them more. And he said, we need to do this in times then when, when we're flushed and in times of economic hardship. So fast forward to three years later, here he is as mayor and he's actually proposed something different in his budget. And he's talking about having something that would give a, a raise to these workers, but still cap it at 4%, which when you think about inflation up at about 8% right now, it's a little bit of a challenge. And this all leads back to what the King County Regional Homelessness Authority was asking Seattle to do. They said, hey, we need $90,000 to make sure we're paying people properly and getting these services out there. Seattle came back and Seattle's dealing with a number of budget issues. As you know, $141 million hole in the budget right now. Seattle came back with a $10 million figure. So the mayor is trying to do some balancing here and it's 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 really challenging. This was something that would point that was pointed out first in Publicola, this disparity between 2019 and this year. But it's something that's going to be really challenging for the city council to deal with as they work through their budget process, which they'll be doing over the next several weeks and into November. We should have something by the end of November, right around Thanksgiving time. So I just wanted to make sure I brought that up. And Deontay, I know a lot of different issues about homelessness and whatever else are all around converge and people talk about it a lot. But when I talk about that with you, I don't know what your reaction is to that. But when we talk about the mayor and what human service workers are getting paid, I mean, this is a big deal. And I, I just wanted to get your reaction to it, too. Well, I think that when we talk about that, there are so many different intersections. It's like, oh, yes, well, we're going to house them. I think it's more so of just a get off the streets type of mind frame yeah. that's coming down in, in from, from the mayor's office. Um, but there's so many things that we can be doing to actually assist our community members. Um, and that is paying people with the lived experience, yeah. um, you know, and people with lived experience. And I said this yesterday on a call when we talk about people that are working in these areas with lived experience, they uh -huh. have survived the pandemic. They have survived the war on drugs. They have survived racial injustice in their community and deserve a merit badge, mm -hmm. a medal of honor yeah. for, for the, for their work that they, they are out there doing. That means pay the fee. That means yeah. pay them more. 
those are my thoughts on it and more, right? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it, thank you for bringing that up. And I, it, for, and that's a very important piece of what's going on here. And again, the council is going to be looking at those issues and, and exactly those points that you're raising over the next couple of weeks here. But I did dive into another part of the budget that I thought was very interesting. And it's certainly something that Converge listeners and viewers have been checking out for a long time. And that's what's going on with our Seattle Police Department. So you might remember last year, the city council said, all right, we're going to try to figure out different ways to kind of dismantle this big Seattle Police Department machine. It's a big, big operation. How can we peel off some different parts of it so we can shrink the size of this department, try to right size it, as the council members say. So what they did was a little bit of low hanging fruit here wasn't too difficult to do. At least the council thought it wasn't too difficult to do. They took the parking enforcement officers and they said, OK, we're going to peel that piece off here. They put them into the Seattle Department of Transportation. At least that's what they tried to do last year. Unfortunately, that process didn't work. You might remember from earlier this year, my co-host David Croman actually wrote about this in the Seattle Times. The authority that those parking enforcement officers needed to go with them from the SPD into SDOT, it actually didn't happen. So the city ended up having to refund hundreds of thousands of parking tickets. I wish I got a parking ticket back when that was happening, but that's what that wasn't what was going on. But uh, at any rate, so that didn't work out with SDOT. So what the mayor is proposing this time around is saying, okay, we're going to move those officers who are still actually working in an SPD building back into the Seattle Police Department. Department. He says it's going to save about $5 million, which is a big deal, again, when you're talking about a budget deficit here. But I think the larger issue here and the one that's really interesting is after all of this momentum to try to make some changes to the police department, to try to shrink it in some ways that wouldn't sacrifice public safety, hopefully, but would also make this into something as right-sized, as the council would put it. This parking enforcement officer experiment has unfortunately failed. Now, the mayor did say he would leave the door open to potentially moving this group into another department of the city, like the communication center, which is what the public safety chair, Lisa Herbold, was trying to do the whole time with this. Is that going to happen? I'm not sure if it's going to be in the immediate future. But Deontay, this is another one of those things where we talk about police. We talk about the size of the police department. We definitely need some more officers. But this move with the parking enforcement officers, shoot, they're going to be adding a lot more people back to the police department. And there's definitely some uh, some images there that I think people might be concerned about it or I guess just the visibility of this and just adding to the police department. I know people want more officers out on the streets, but the mayor's talking about adding these parking enforcement officers, which is a bit of a nuanced thing. But still, we're talking about growing the SPD. And I know that raises concerns with some people, too. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, what the mayor, I can honestly say over the past couple of weeks, the mayor has been making some really great announcements with advocating yeah. for community, right? So with that being said, I, and he's also done a great job with delegating and smoothing things out with some of the questions that we've had towards behavioral health, yeah. um, as, as well as community advocacy. So I think that he will, I, I, and I hope, you know, especially with the regime that he has here, to actually bring this conversation back to the forefront. We've had a, like, I think that when we talk about our uh, defunding police and mm -hmm. all of that, it's kind of been really quiet. But yeah. I think that the mayor and his office will actually be, would, would be coming and having a conversation with it as they have with all the other things that they've been rolling out the turnpike. Yeah, yeah, no, they've been listening for sure. And now we actually have an interim chief in Adrian Diaz, who's the permanent chief. So I know that conversation is going to keep on going when it comes to right-sizing the police department as the council says it. But I think we're going to have to pay close attention over the next several weeks here. I'll bring up one last piece that we were covering on the show, Deontay. And that's a story that my co-host David Croman did in the Seattle Times about the inaccessibility to sidewalks for people who are disabled. It's actually a huge problem all around the state. David did a study of 30 different municipalities or counties or whatever else all around the state. 
found that in all of those cases, not even half of the sidewalks in those different cities, counties, et cetera, were up to code when it comes to the Americans with Dis Disabilities Act. And it's a big, big deal. The only problem is actually trying to solve this problem is something that is in the hundreds and millions and sometimes billions of dollars. So it's a good story, a little bit of a frustrating story too, but I definitely urge people to check it out because it kind of shows a different side that you might not be thinking about all the time. Ah, eh, the sidewalk isn't too bad for me, but imagine if you were in a wheelchair. I mean, that's what yeah. the ADA is all about, making sure there's equal access to everybody here. So it's an interesting story put out. I urge people to check out, and I also urge people to check out Seattle News, Views and Brews, 7 o'clock tonight on Converge, and that's what I got for you. My Wednesday, brother. I appreciate yeah. you. I do have to ask you a question, though. Okay, Please. so you out there, you are, you haven't talked about it here on the show, but you are out there in West Seattle. How are you making it through that? Oh, now that I'm, the, the, I'm getting the through. There? It's, it's, yeah, it's a lot better, Deontay. I'm on the south side of it, a little bit closer to White Center. And so okay. I've been able to use that First Avenue South Bridge for a long time. And I intend to keep on using it because now all those people who came from the north side of the peninsula. Guess what? They're staying on the bridge and I can use my little secret back route all I want. So okay, it's a little so less crowded on my route. I'm glad that. to see the West Seattle Bridge doing better, too. So thank you for asking, Deontay. It's well, been a no, crazy thank last you, two brother. And years. I can't wait to see you tonight at 7, Seattle News and Brews. Thank you, Brian. All right. Cool. Thanks, Deontay. See ya. Seattle News and Brews, y'all, tonight at 7 o'clock. OK, now thank Brian and David. Can't wait to see them tonight. But up next, we got my girl LC here. You are watching The Day with Trey. Basically, fam, believe in giving. Like, we have to be willing to give more. And people seem to always think giving means money. But nah, bro. It's like you can give time. You can give understanding. You can give access. You can give a listening ear and an open heart. You can give and share your God-given gifts and talents. But you just got to give. Community. It's been three years since we've been able to celebrate in person at our annual Evening of Choice. And this year at Access and Pioneer Square on October 19th at 6 p.m., we will be back together again, celebrating our journey, healing towards justice. This past couple of years have been incredibly difficult for our young people and our community at large. And one thing that has become clear and absolutely true is there's one way forward that brings all of us together, and that's as we heal. And when our young people heal, they're truly able to become who it is they've been purposed to be. So on this evening, you'll hear stories of our young people, hear the evolution of our organization as we emphasize healing in our cause. And together, we will celebrate another year of impact and growth as we journey towards justice together. Again, it's at Access in Pioneer Square, 6 p.m. on October 19th. And live streaming will be available through YouTube at I Choose Winning. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. Uh, my next guest needs no introduction because people from our community members that work at Queer the Land have been a part of Converge family, and I'm just so happy to invite family here today. What's up, Sia? How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> got all quiet. We was over here talking and being loud and talking about the Beyonce album earlier. This is home, girl. You can chill. Okay, this is an adjustment. I'm like, oh, I got to come in the studio. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so for people that aren't familiar, can you let let people know, get more familiar with Queer the Land? Yeah. So Queer the Land is a um, collective of queer and trans um, black indigenous people of color um, working to own our own land and our own labor um, in the Seattle area and to make an impact um, on gentrification um, and housing in Seattle. Okay. And that's amazing. And because one is important. And I think that 
when we talk about the diaspora of black, when we talk about um, property and ownership, right? I think that those are conversations that a lot of queer people are left out of, right? Yeah. Maybe for the grant, right? Mm-hmm. But no, how about the whole pie, right? So can you tell us some of the some of the things that you y'all have done over the years, accomplishments in that those areas? Yeah. So um I would say one of our biggest accomplishments um has been purchasing a home um uh, for our community in Beacon Hill. So we purchased a home in 2021 um off of like the hills uh the heels of um, Black Lives Matter movement and the pandemic and all the protests, civil rights protests that were happening in 2020, we were able to acquire land. And we've been able to utilize the space recently to harvest or to plant food and to harvest food um, during our community gardening days. So we've been providing a lot of food, also a lot of non-perishable items for folks. So we have a pantry and an apothecary. So for herbs and things like that, healing agents for the community that are all free. Okay. Yeah. Listen, so y'all are out there doing the work. Um, and, and I was talking to you about that a lot, but I want to, can we step into you for a second? How did you get started in this work? Yeah. I mean, I've, I have a bachelor's of social work, so I've always been doing, um, work in the community, work advocacy, um, pretty much in the health field, primarily reproductive justice, but this really has been um, an aligned kind of transition. It's all connected. Um, We can't have good health in our community without having um, stable housing, community, and and good nutritious food. So um, this has just been a a natural... a natural transition for me. But my two of my best friends, um, Ime and Nisha, uh, Togir Shout and Kiza. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to them. They're one of the co-founders of Queer the Land. Um, and they they were here for four or five years. They had to move back to Atlanta because of the rising housing costs. Um, but they were a part of starting this um, idea and this collective. And so they brought me into the fold and mentored me. And that's how I've been a part of Queer the Land. Shout out to those best friends, right? Yes. That, that help you find your why, right? Yes. You were talking a little bit about reproductive justice. Why is why I know why, but why is that important for community members, especially Black and Brown, for for not just for Black and Brown folks, but Black and Brown queer and women and those who identify as? Yeah, reproductive justice is important because, well, if you know the history of uh, reproductive health in this country, you know that it was created off of the the backs, the the labor, the suffering of Black. Fems, black women that we presume were identified as women um, in this country in um, in gynecology and so enslaved women and so um, it's really important for us because it's an opportunity to reclaim our bodies um, for queer people is an opportunity for us to define our bodies define our identity but also to have access to um, healthcare, access to um, resources to take care of our bodies for them to look and function in the way that feels best for us, but also so then we have support for when we might want to birth a child or um, give the child away to community. We want to have um, an array of resources and opportunities and options and choices. And really the the civil rights movement is about access to resources and 
and choices, right? Um, and not having other people stunt that or trying to um, take that away from us. And that's and that's real. And I think that you know, and one of the things that I've noticed too is that it's not we're not really having that conversation. We're talking to like some of the politicians about it and we are outreaching to our communities with it, right? But what about our youth? Do you guys have any youth programs? We don't have any youth programs right now, but we hope to get more involved with the youth and um, and bring them in and, and mentor. We definitely want to be able to, because Queerland has also been about owning our labor, right? So like training one another, teaching one another as adults. And so that is a natural transition to move to working with kids and teens um, who are queer identified, who need a place to go and understand themselves, right? And see a, an older version of themselves, sees what might be possible for them. Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And let alone you guys are being in, in Be- uh, being on Beacon Hill, right? Yeah. And, you know, I know that there was a lot of, funding that came out of mm-hmm. uh, of the injustices that were happening throughout 2020. And just to know that y'all had that space there. What was that like um, through that groundbreaking ceremony and opening up that space? You know, we have not had a groundbreaking ceremony yet. We're still looking for contractors who are like aligned with our values and will respect us as Black Fems. My um, colleague who does the day-to-day work, Ivana, um, and Abulele, um, who will respect two Black films, right, leading this work, and who will work with us and teach us things. So we're still looking for that good dynamic. Um, is it hard to find that dynamic? And, I, yes. and this is a safe space, right? Because yes. I think it's really important why people are here to know what exactly what we need. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't understand that, right? Yeah, so. I, it, is a, it is a difficult dynamic. I think anyone who's worked with a, a contract or any kind of renovation um, knows that there's not necessarily a, a set standard for ethics. Like maybe there is for a lawyer or a doctor. And even in those fields, you can't ensure that. Um, but uh, it has been difficult, but I, I have faith that we'll be able to find someone who's really in alignment with our work, but who also wants to contribute to this community and wants to build a relationship, not just make money or do a project. I know that's right. It's because it's important, especially while we're coming out of where we've been, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but raise your hand if you're the same person <laughs> after the pandemic. I am not. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? We no. all go through those changes, and I think that safety is really important, especially yeah. for our our people with lived experience and our people that are out there doing the advocacy work because we we haven't had that time to feel safe, right? Mm-hmm. It always just feels like we're on ice, but being protected, let alone someone who's helping build yes. something that's going to be there for our community members is so important. Yeah. So that safety part is so important for y'all, mm-hmm. for us, sorry. Yeah. So I do want to ask you some more questions because I need to know what Queer the Land, what events y'all got coming yeah. up because I know y'all got a whole bunch. So we're we going to ask LC some more about that when we come back. You're watching The Day with Trey. And we're back with The Day with Trey. I'm here with my girl, LC from Queer the Land. Now y'all have some events that are coming up. Yeah. So let us know how we can support. Yeah. So we have a few a few things coming up. So we always have a gardening day. We've been doing gardening days since the spring. Um, but the next one is actually this Saturday, the 8th. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually 10 to 2 p.m. at the Queer, Queer the Land House. Um, if you're interested in participating in any of these events, you can always email us at info at queertheland.org um, to get our address. We don't just uh, publicize it. But um 
Yeah. And so during gardening days, we do all the gardening things. <laughs> we weed, we harvest. We have so much food. We have so much greens. Um, we're also growing pumpkins and hope to do some kind of um, fall pumpkin harvest as well. So be on the lookout for that. But we always post on social media. Um, the next event, can I just keep going with the event? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, we, we need them. <laughs> um, another event that we're doing is um, a Queer the Land house cleaning day. Okay. Um, because we are, although our house is not ready for folks to live in, um, we're still using some of the space for events. So we're just having, you know, a good cleanup day to prepare for fall Um for our fall programming. And that's going to be October 22nd from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, and then some of the f- more fun events, um, we're having a base training. Uh-huh. And really, this is um, kind of an intro to base. It's our signature what program. Is, what is base? So, base is building autonomy and safety for everybody. Okay. Um, and it was part of, um, so, Quidland was created with two collectives and one of the collectives um, is a a Filipino um, advocacy collective and they worked with um, some outside uh, community members to create a program that's about self-defense. It's about community safety, community protection, and how can we um, create a community that is safe within and also protected from um, entities without, right? Um, and how can we eliminate policing in our communities and really um, protect ourselves and protect one another? So um, it's usually a, a very long program, but this is kind of like a tester. For a long time, we've just done kind of like boxing conditioning, which is a part of it, but it's not all of it. There's a lot of curriculum and community building and strategizing. And so that's going to happen October um 12th okay october 29th i'm (laughs) trying to think and november 12th i believe but you can um, go on our um, instagram at queer the land to see those dates um and so so, yeah so this is a tester because we're trying to train more people in the community to also um generate income for folks who might need some kind of floating income to be able to teach this class regularly yeah. uh, for our community members and also our allied community supporters as well. Um, and then the last event that we're doing is a digital collage series. It's called Show Me Home. Mm-hmm. And we're collaborating with the Proud with the Pride Foundation um, and also a local Chamorro, queer Chamorro artist named Lourdes Velasco. I love me some Lourdes. Yeah. Shout Lourdes. out to Lourdes. <laughs> Lourdes was a first guest on We Live in Color. Oh my gosh. Yes. Shout out to Lourdes. Um, Lord, Lord, is. Lord is Natty. Oh, Lord, I'm, uh, well, I'm, the name's escaping me. But everybody from Taking Black Pride yes, walks in. Ivana, you know, my fam. Yes, So I'll appreciate them. Um, and so, yeah, they're going to be walking us through a six-week um, collage series of program about how to actually do, like, the technicals of creating digital and analog collages, but with the theme of defining home, remembering home, remembering ancestors, which is really all about you know, what Queer the Land stands for, right, is reclaiming our stories and our narratives um, and our history. So that starts, the first one is October 27th, which is a Thursday. Um, It's a sliding scale. It's open um, to queer and trans people of color um, with an emphasis on trans women um, participating in that um, opportunity. 
And so, yeah, you just you can reach out to us to get registered again at info at queertheland.org or you can DM us um, on Instagram at queertheland. Yes, that is amazing. Yeah. Now, OK, and, and I wanted to also ask, what was I going to say? What, what makes you so passionate about this work? What is your why? Yeah, my why is always community. Um, you know, I'm not a Seattle native. Um, I have only been here six or seven years. And so Queer the Land was kind of like a central part of how I was able to establish myself and establish my community. And I've never gone without, like I live a very abundant life. Um, and that is, you know, in good part because of my community um, and the ways that we show up for one another. And so that is my absolutely, my biggest why. Also, you know, I feel like in nonprofit work or any kind of like social advocacy work is, it becomes very serious. It becomes very like, we must reach these stats. We must, um, you know, reach out to these communities because of some kind of alternative motive. But Queer the Land is really about building community. It's about the serious things, but it's also about having fun. It's about turning up. It's about like, you know, crying with one another. It's about learning from one another. And so it's a really holistic space and it really just keeps me engaged and keeps me motivated and it's helped me in a multitude of ways. Well, I thank you for helping us, yeah. for acknowledge, for for continuing to advocate for our community members that are out there. Um, Y'all have a plethora of events. I yeah. can't wait to share them, and community members should as well. Can you please look into the camera and just give people the next event and how we can support? Yeah. So the next event, the earliest one is this Saturday. It's our gardening day, and um, yeah, you can just come on by. We really love volunteers, but you know, we always have food, we have coffee, teas and things like that. So just come out, build community and learn about the other events that we're, ha we're having. We're also going to be having some more collaborations with some black owned businesses later on in the winter time, um, hip hop and R&B karaoke. So if you're looking for something, oh my God. <laughs> if okay. you're looking like that some, for something like, like that, that like <laughs> then yeah, just make sure you stay on our page. Everything will be posted on our Instagram page and also our Facebook page. Um, yeah, so volunteer, participate, donate. We also have a link to donate, right? We like to offer our programs for low price and sliding scale and free if possible for the most marginalized in our community. So donations help fill that gap, helps us um, be able to provide um, funds for our facilitators, for the folks who run the day-to-day -day with Queer the Land, and also to provide scholarships for people. So those are ways you can be engaged and help support. Well, thank you so much hey. for coming in. I appreciate you. Um, and anything that uh, Black Media Matters can do to help uplift those voices, just let us know. Yes. We'd just love to have y'all here. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate y'all. Thank you, this is fun. Now, I know y'all probably wondering, why am I dressed so dapper Danish today? Okay, that's because tonight, uh, with uh, We Live in Color tonight at eight o'clock, I will be interviewing the wonderful Trey King and Jasmine. We'll be talking about real estate and lending in our community. We need to talk, start talking about buying black and buying your own. So we'll be having a deep discussion and a deep dive about that tonight on We Live in Color. But please make sure you turn tune in an hour before for Seattle News and Brews, okay? And then we'll be back tomorrow I want to thank you so much. Walk with love. Thank you for watching The Day with Trey.
Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.